all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today is Mailbag Monday around here. I've gotten lots of emails and messages over the past couple of weeks, and so I compile those every now and then, and we go through those. We are still taking your calls live as well. If you would like to give us a call with a question or a comment about how to stay healthy and fit, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email us anytime, not just when we're on the air, fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie, and you can leave me a message or a question there. Uh, And so I have gotten a fair amount of uh, emails and questions over the past couple of weeks, and we'll start to go through some of those uh, today. By and large, the the most frequent question that I have gotten, uh, it has to do with uh, COVID vaccine booster doses. So we touched on this a little bit a couple weeks back when I had Dr. Byers on the show, um, but those had not been authorized yet. The boosters had not been authorized yet when we did that show. So there have been a lot of questions that have come out regarding that since then. And the most, uh, the thing that seems to be the most confusing uh, for folks is the difference between a third dose and a booster dose. And so I want to spend a little bit of time kind of unpacking um, what is the difference and and the similarities between those things. And first of all, the the similarity is they're the same kind of medicine or the the same compound at the same dose. So um, the Pfizer vaccine is the one that has been authorized for a booster um, Moderna and Pfizer both have the third dose uh, available as well, um, but the dosing and the and the actual compound is exactly the same as the primary series that you received if you were um, originally vaccinated with Pfizer or Moderna. So, since it's the same same stuff, what makes a third dose different than a booster dose per se. And really it's on the timing of when those are received and who would be eligible for those things. So a third dose um, would be in individuals who completed their primary series, so the first and second dose, but 
are unlikely to have mounted an adequate antibody response to those two vaccines. So that occurs in people who are immunosuppressed, whose immune system does not respond the way that um, someone without uh, a uh, certain uh, disorders may respond, right? So folks who um, have or have undergoing chemotherapy, right, that suppresses out the immune system. Folks who have had a solid organ transplant and are now on um, kind of chronic uh, anti-rejection medications, that kind of blunts the immune system. Folks who are on chronic steroid therapy, maybe for an autoimmune um, disorder, that, or folks who are on a, a biologic medication that we use for autoimmune disorders like Humira, things like that, that suppress the immune system. So those individuals, while they got dose one and dose two of their vaccine, may not have made uh, quite the level of antibodies that we would like for optimal protection from, from the vaccine. And so they would qualify for a third dose. Um, this happens about four weeks, so 28 days or four weeks after completion of dose two. Now, if you're past that and you fall into one of these categories, you'd still be eligible um, to get that. The booster dose is for folks who likely had a great antibody response to the primary series, but because of time um, from that primary series, antibody levels are likely decreasing. And that's based off of um, data that we have really coming out of Israel that started to show some falling antibody levels over time. And so that, that series or that, that booster is about six months after the primary series. And then who would qualify for that is also a little bit different there. So this would be um, folks 65 and older, right? People 18 to 64 who have a chronic underlying medical condition, things like heart disease or diabetes or chronic kidney disease. And there's a full list of kind of those um, underlying medical conditions on the Mississippi State Department of Health website, as well as the CDC website. And then um, our 18 and older folks that are at increased risk for exposure to COVID-19 based off of either occupational risk or institutional risk. So occupational risk would be you're more likely to come in contact with COVID-19 because of where you work and what you do. So things like healthcare workers, um, teachers, grocery store workers, postal service, you know, folks that um, just have an increased interaction with um, the public and the community. And, and um, then increased institutional exposure would be maybe if you live in, in group housing, those types of things, because you're in a small space, um, often uh, unmasked uh, in that type of situation. So that's kind of the, the differences there. The actual compound and dosing is the same. Uh, but the uh, eligibility and timing is what differs a little bit there between uh, the third dose and the booster dose. Hey, Josie. Um, if you, yeah, Kevin. Uh, quick follow-up. So uh, with the third shot, how would you know that you needed? Would this be something where you would just uh, talk to your doctor and they would let you know 
if you need A, the third shot, B, the booster shot, or C, none of the above, maybe? Yes, absolutely. So through this whole thing, um, when talking about vaccines, I've always been a, a big proponent of talking to your individual healthcare provider about your kind of risks for developing either developing COVID or developing severe outcomes with, with COVID. And so that's kind of one of the things, especially with the, with the booster dose, um, the 65 and older, we know have worse outcomes with COVID. Folks who have chronic underlying medical conditions also tend to have worse outcomes with COVID. So we want to give them as much protection as we can in terms of, you know, um, uh, antibody production there. So absolutely, if you have any question at all, um, talk to your individual healthcare provider about which one, if any, of these you should be getting. Um, I will tell you, if you choose to to get one of these, um, you need to have your vaccine card or proof of vaccine status so we know timing-wise on that. Um, we rolled out booster doses last week uh, here at UMC, and so it's really important to be able to to show us when you got that second dose so that we can best make sure that you, you fit in the in the correct window for getting that that booster dose there. But that's a great uh, great point and a great question, Kevin. If you guys listening have a question or a comment for us, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring, or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and drop me a message there. Um, so I did have a couple of other emails that came in related to kind of COVID boosters um, that I think we should kind of touch on before we go to our first break. And that was someone said, I have had trouble locating a Moderna booster dose at my local pharmacy. And that makes sense because Moderna has, is not yet approved for the booster. So with the booster dose, so the, at six months after the primary series, the only one that is currently available is Pfizer for that. Um, Moderna, both Moderna and Pfizer are available for third dosing. So that's four weeks after for immunocompromised individuals. Um, but just a plain booster six months after, not in an immunocompromised person, Moderna is not available yet. I would anticipate um, that happening in the relatively near future. They're compiling their data to, to um deliver to the FDA as well. Um, and right now we also do not have uh, data about mixing the, the two. So I get that question asked a lot as well is, if I received Moderna as my primary series, can I get boosted with Pfizer? And right now there's just not, uh, not a policy guideline or uh, a clinical guideline that says that we can do that yet. Um, but that data is, of course, being looked at uh, as well so that we can better make a decision on that. So right now you got to stick with the primary uh, series that you received. The next question I have on that is, as my 13-year-old is on a biologic, does she need a booster? And so, again, that kind of goes back to what both of uh, us were talking about, Kevin, is a personal conversation with a uh, healthcare provider uh, to kind of judge individual risk. But um, so uh, the booster, again, that's six months after the dose, is an 18 and older recommendation at this point. The third dose for immunocompromised individuals um, does have that 12 and older indication on it. So the answer to this question is maybe, right? So um, she would qualify on paper looking at the fact that she's over 12 and is on a, a biologic medication or a medicine that 
um, that augments the immune system and makes you a little bit more um, susceptible to infection or potentially not not having as great or as robust um, of a response to the primary series. Um, but this would be a conversation with uh, the treating provider uh, based on to look at what that medicine is and the likelihood that maybe we didn't mount as great of a response uh, to that that primary series and could warrant having that, that third dose on board there. In follow-up to the question about trouble locating, um, you know, a particular type of vaccine, so you can go to uh, Google or, you know, any of your, your website search engines, and you can type in vaccine finder, and it will take you to um, uh, vaccines.gov, and that will allow you to put in um, your location, so you can do by zip code, and you can put a kind of a radius around that that says, you know, within, you know, 10 miles, 15 miles, whatever you want to do there, and the type of vaccine that you're looking for, and it will show you um, where where the closest to you that, that has that particular vaccine uh, in stock. It's really, really easy to use. Um, it's a big blue button when you click on it. It says find COVID-19 vaccines near you. You put in your zip code. You put your search radius, and then you click which vaccine you're looking for. Moderna, again, a reminder that Moderna is approved for 18 and older right now. Pfizer is 12 and older, and Johnson and Johnson or Janssen, whichever uh, way you want to think about that one, is also um, 18 and older. And then you can also click if they have appointments available for that particular um, vaccine type, and it will show you where they are so that you can, don't have to... Uh, call all around looking for that. If for some reason you uh, don't have access to a computer and you want to do it uh, by phone, you can do that as well. There is a 1-800 number that is available for folks needing assistance in finding a particular type of COVID vaccine. That's 1-800-232-0233. So those are our great resources to be able to to get you in contact with uh, a particular vaccine type there. Um, You can get booster doses and third doses um, at your local pharmacies. Um, I actually went and got mine last, so not this this very recent past weekend, but the weekend before that. It was before we were able to roll them out at UMC. Um, So I got mine for increased occupational exposure risk and the fact that I got my primary series finished in January. So I was eight months out from my primary series. And the next most common question I get is side side effect profile after uh, the booster dose with that. And so I would liken it to being very similar to what uh, if you had symptoms after your second dose, they are kind of similar to that. Um, I've been very transparent with my um, experience with the vaccines after dose one for me. I had some kind of mild uh, fatigue and arm pain. That was about it. After dose two, I did have um, fever, relatively low grade, about 100 to 101. Um, Muscle aches and chills, kind of felt like I had the flu, uh, which lasted for about 12 to 16 hours and then uh, resolved with that. And then with dose Uh, With the booster dose that I received, I did not run fever, uh, but I did have um, the muscle aches and and just felt tired and a little bit nauseous with that. 
And when you look at the clinical trial data as well as the um, monitoring data that's been out there, that's pretty um, similar across uh, what other people are seeing. We do tend to notice that folks that are younger tend to have a little bit more of that fever, chills, muscle aches going on, whereas people over the age of 55 or so tend to have less of that. doesn't mean that they don't have those issues, um, but they tend to have um, less than in the younger population of folks there. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedies, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we've been answering your questions today out of my mailbox, but we are happy to take your calls um, as well. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email us anytime, fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can go over to Healthy Habits with Josie and drop me a message there. So the first segment of the show, um, we kind of went through some of our questions about uh, COVID booster shots, COVID third dose shots, those types of things. Um, And I did get an additional question that came in over the break that asked about um, timing of flu vaccine with COVID vaccine. And can you get them can you get them together or is there a waiting period? And so the the short answer to that is you can get them at the same time. Um, The longer answer to that is this is a newer recommendation. So you may have, um, if you had to get other vaccines over the past year or so, you may have seen um, kind of a stipulation that was you had to wait two weeks between vaccines in getting um, the COVID vaccine and any other vaccine. So the, the reason for that was if we gave both vaccines at the same time while we were still, um, you know, collecting data on any potential side effects or things that uh, were happening with folks, it would kind of make it difficult to know whether somebody had um, a problem with the flu vaccine or a problem with uh, COVID vaccine or any of the other vaccines that were out there, you know, B vaccine, whatever. Um, but now since so many doses of the COVID vaccine have been administered, and there's tons and tons and tons of data on the safety and efficacy of those. They were able to kind of walk back that um, that two-week waiting period, and so now it is uh, you can get the COVID vaccine without 
um, consideration of when you received any other uh, vaccines for that. So that should make it um, you know, relatively easy to, to do those um, and, and get those, uh, if not on the same day, but you know, in uh, close contact with that. But you can absolutely get those on, on the same day there. Josie? Um, so that was a, a great question. Yeah, Kevin? Got uh, two callers on the line, so let's start right. with Bill calling in from Meridian. Good morning, Bill. You're on the air. How can we help you? Bill? Bill, can you hear me? Let's put him back on hold. Let's try All right. Mary in Tunica. Right, Mary in Tunica, you're on the air. How can I help you today? Hi, yes. I have a preventricular contraction. That's what I've been told it was. And okay. the doctor put me on met, metoprolol, 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 I think it's called. And I wanted to know, is this something that's going to be chronic or something that I'm just going to have? Or is this something that with treatment will resolve? That's an excellent question. So. PVCs um, or premature ventricular contractions are kind of where the, the the bottom chambers of the heart get a little excited and beat just a little bit too fast. They're largely not a problem for folks. When it becomes a problem is when they make you feel crummy, right? Like when you can feel like your heart fluttering or palpitations or they make you lightheaded or dizziness or any of those kinds of things. And so that's the purpose of the metoprolol. Um, is to, to slow the heart rate down to kind of keep that from happening. Some of the other things we look at in terms of treating PVCs is caffeine content, although some of the more recent data is showing that it may not be as, um, as contributory as we once thought it would be, but it's still a, a thing to kind of look at is kind of decreasing caffeine content and seeing if that helps with things. Um, looking at uh, stress reduction and doing some mindfulness and meditation type things can also help um, lower that down. And then looking at um, your sleep patterns and making sure that we're getting enough sleep and rest. So with it being just kind of, uh, it sounds like just kind of normal run-of-the-mill PVCs, you may always um, have those. If it became um, a different type of rhythm pattern, which it doesn't sound like what this is, then there are some different treatments for that to kind of get rid of it um, forever. Okay, thank that, you for your help. That helped a little bit. All right, you're welcome. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. Josie, we have we Bill, Bill back on the line. So All right. Bill from Meridian. Good morning, Bill. Welcome Hi. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sorry I was unavailable there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I I am uh I'm a delivery person. Mm -hmm. Making deliveries all over town. I'm sixty four. I've got type two diabetes, so forth. And my first I got my vaccine, ended my two shot course March ninth. And mm -hmm. I got the Moderna vaccine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a doctor's appointment about 10 days ago, and I asked him about the booster shot. He said he thought for Moderna it was going to be a full year before they were going to allow more shots with the Moderna, yeah, I have, unless you were over yeah. 65. Yeah. And the, the answer is we, we don't know what those recommendations are going to be um, for Moderna yet. 
Um, we know that we don't have approval for them yet. Um, most of the data that we have looking out of Israel is from Pfizer, kind of showing the decline in antibodies over time there. So I don't have a, a great answer for you. Um, I don't, I have not seen the one year time frame mentioned um, in any of the things that I have read. Um, I would imagine that's coming from the, the thought that, you know, we generally in things that need boosters or need repeating, we, we do a calendar year in between those kinds of things there. Um, so we kind of have to just wait and see what Moderna, um, what their data looks like, because I've not even seen a preprint of their data um, to kind of be able to guide that. I had read that it looked like the Moderna um, antibodies were lasting longer than mm -hmm. the Pfizer, uh, but I'm uh, since the first day I read about this virus, I have been concerned for myself, and that is not yeah. something that I normally do, but this one yeah. really scares me, and I'm wondering about sneaking in somewhere and get, <laughs> getting another shot. But well, not, and remember, not, to, you know, keep keep adding in your other layers of protection, right, you know, stay where I'm at, apart. and I don't have, really have a lot of contact with people. Yeah. Wash, you know, really but, um, frequent hand washing and hand sanitizing, all those different kinds of things. Um, and, I got a you know. quart size bottle of hand sanitizer in the car. <laughs> with me, but, uh, yes, the, yes. Uh, and thankfully, the weather is not going to be as hot because when you squirt that hot sanitizer on there, it is it'll give you a jolt. Yeah, I keep mine in my but, car uh, too. I live, I live with my son, and he has exposure, and he's vaccinated, but right. He has exposure to a lot of people, mm -hmm. and that that concerns me. But mm -hmm. uh, I just was wondering if there was any idea about when I might be able to get a booster, but I guess there's not. So I appreciate Nothing that I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll keep looking, and if I come, if I come across, any updates to that, then I will bring them right back on the show and let, let you guys know. All right. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. Drive safe. All right. And if you have a question or a comment for us, you can give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Oh, just had another question come in about uh, COVID vaccines, and it asks, do you carry the virus when you first get the shot? And so the answer is no. Um, so the the notion of kind of carrying a virus or shedding a virus after, uh, after a, a vaccine is a, a concept that is associated with live virus vaccines. Um, and so uh, COVID vaccine is not a, a live virus vaccine and the mRNA vaccines are, um, they don't even contain uh, viral particles. They are um, uh, really just an, an a set of instructions to tell your body how to manufacture um, the spike protein that your body then makes antibodies against. Um, so you would not shed the virus um, or anything like that in uh, after one of these vaccines. But great question and one that I know confuses um, confuses folks out there a little bit there. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we're taking your questions and comments today, kind of an, an open topic and going through my uh, my mailbox and lots of emails and uh, messages that we've gotten. If you have a question for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 Josie? All right, we have, yeah. I hate to keep jumping in, but that always means no, we've got a caller on the, the line, which is way. good news. That's the only way. Yes, it's excellent news. Who do we have, Kevin? We've got Mike calling in from Alabama. All right, Mike from Alabama. How can we help you today? Yes, uh, I am 78 years old, and I'm type 2 diabetic. And I got the uh, Moderna vaccine. Mm-hmm. So I called my, my doctor. You know, I told him when the booster comes out, should I get mm-hmm. it? He mm-hmm. said yes. He said then make sure it's Moderna. Mm-hmm. So I went to the, I went to the pharmacy, and she said I told my told him, my doctor told me I should get the booster shot because you know I'm type two diabetic and I'm seventy right. eight. And she said right. okay, and she gave me a shot. And now you're telling me that's not a booster; it's a third shot. Well, it's the same medicine. So it's the same medicine and the same dose. So you didn't get anything that you wouldn't, that would be unsafe for you to get. So that that should take that worry out of the way. Well, well I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about yeah. that. Now, if, 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 if Moderna says, yes, we have a booster shot now, should I get that also? No, you should, you would not need another one right now. You would you okay. would be good. Yeah. No, you're good. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. That was a great one and I know it can get it can get confusing. Um, but I'm happy to try and clear up whatever I can for you. Um, all right. We have a question about actually the a new medicine for COVID nineteen. And Kevin, I know that you will like the name of this. I liked it as well, or at least I got a chuckle out of it. So Merck um, is planning to take their data uh, to the FDA to ask for emergency use authorization for an oral medication for COVID-19. And it is named Molnupiravir, and it is named after Thor's hammer. 
after Mjolnir. Very good. I, I know love that. you like Thor. I like Thor as well. We're both big, um, big Marvel uh, fans around here. Um, so it is named after after Thor's hammer. And so kind of the the quick and dirty on this particular medication is that it will kind of insert an error into the genetic code of COVID. So when it tries to replicate itself in your body, um, it, it just, it dies instead, uh, has enough mutations that it, it is no longer able to reproduce itself. And so that's an exciting thing coming forward to have an, an oral therapy for this. Um, right now, the data that has been presented is for um, treatment of actual COVID infection. So after you have become infected with COVID-19, um, taking this medication. Um, and the, the data that's out there shows that it redu reduces the risk of hospitalization and death by about 50%. Uh, it has been studied in folks uh, within five days of symptom onset. So again, if you get diagnosed um, it's always important to reach out for treatment sooner rather than later. Of course, this is not commercially available right now. It has not gone through the approval process yet, but it's on the horizon. Monoclonal antibodies have been approved for emergency use authorization, and those need to be started within 10 days um, of symptom onset. The sooner, the better. Um, but for this particular oral medication, uh, it does look like it's effective against all the variants that are out there right now. Um, so that is, it's just an exciting thing on the horizon to have a, a different uh, kind of weapon in our, in our arsenal against COVID-19. Um, the, they are also looking at it in terms of a, um, like a, I don't even like the word prophylactic, but you know, if you were exposed to someone with COVID-19, you know, could you take it to prevent the development of it? Kind of like with Tamiflu, um, you know, if, if somebody in your family gets the flu, sometimes we'll give you Tamiflu um, as a prophylaxis to keep you from hopefully developing um, the flu. So that is also being looked at, but that is not in this kind of first batch of um, data that is being going to be submitted to the FDA for um, review there. So just kind of uh, on the horizon, uh, stay on the lookout for it and um, appreciate appreciate the name of that particular uh, drug. The sense of humor they had when, when naming that. So I like that there. All right, kind of sticking to a medicine standpoint, I have a question that says, what is a good brand of vitamins with no sugar and no extra junk in it? Um, which is a great time to remind folks that um, vitamins, minerals, and supplements are not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. So any type of supplement that you're looking to add to your, um, to your routine, whether it be, uh, you know, a multivitamin, vitamin D, um, or any of these uh, supplements like CoQ10 or any of this kind of thing, they're not regulated by the FDA. And so making sure that you get a really good reputable brand is important and there is an optional verification process that manufacturers can submit their product to um, called the USP uh, and that is that kind of optional uh, process is them submitting their stuff to them for verification that what's in the bottle is what it says on the bottle is actually in the bottle and at the potency that it says so it is a always my recommendation when you're choosing um, a vitamin, mineral, or supplement that you look for that USP verified seal. 
Um, I had somebody ask me about this over the weekend, actually, and the bottle that they had, once they got it out and looked at it, already had that USP verified seal on it. Um, I don't usually endorse any particular brand of things. I believe the brand that they had was a Nature's Made. Um, but you can, again, go to Google, type in USP verified products, and it will take you to a searchable website where you can search by product type that you're looking for. So if you're looking for a multivitamin, um, you can click on multivitamin, and it will show you um, all of the brands that are USP um, verified or certified. Um, same for any of the other supplements that are out there. Um, now, in terms of uh, asking about no extra junk in it, like sugar and those kinds of things, you're probably going to want to steer away from your gummy type of vitamins with that if you're looking to avoid, you know, extra sugars and those kinds of things because gummy vitamins taste good, um, usually because they have some type of uh, sweetener uh, added in to it there. Um, so, uh, you know, sticking to a pill, one that you can swallow or even a chewable one that does not have um, those added sugars in it would be your best bet there for um for looking at at least sugar content in terms of uh, your vitamins there. And then uh, kind of my other disclaimer on vitamins and minerals and supplements is that always talk to your healthcare provider, again, about whether you need them, right? Just because something is over-the-counter, just because something is USP verified does not necessarily mean that you need it or that it would not interact with any of the other things that that you're on. Um, in particular, I tend to think about things like um, like calcium pills. Sometimes those can interact with the absorption of some other medications. So it's important just to talk to your healthcare provider about whether you, it would be beneficial or helpful for you to add in a vitamin or a supplement into your routine and let us add it to your medication list, right? So that we can know what you're on. When we order labs to look at different things, it's very, very helpful if we know if you're on these vitamins um, or supplements when we get those lab reports back then, because then we can evaluate them with the with the full um, picture on board there. So it doesn't mean don't take them, it just means have a conversation with them, with your healthcare provider. And when a healthcare provider asks you what medications you're on, please, please remember to disclose any um, supplements or vitamins or minerals that you're on so that we're working with the, the full picture on that. Josie? Kevin? We've got another caller, so let's take this before our last break, and we say okay. good morning to Jack from Moscow, Tennessee. All right, Jack from Moscow, Tennessee. How can we help you? Hey, I uh, periodically have, like, anxiety. I feel kind of weird, you know not like complete depression or anything like that it's, mm -hmm. it's just that i get a feel funny and it usually lasts like uh, three or four days and i'm not having them as often as i was you know during the um, middle of the covid problem but mm -hmm. i just wondered is there some type of home remedy that you know or therapy or something like that that, that helps people who like have this mm -hmm. absolutely or do you think it so would you... be a vitamin deficiency or something um, i would i would lean less toward it being a vitamin deficiency or, or anything like that so when you say feel funny 
are we talking like your heart rate speeds up, get a little short of breath, those kinds of things, or just a general feeling of not feeling well? Uh, just a general feeling of like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think about things I shouldn't be because I really don't have any major problems or anything, but I just start to you know, think about, um, am I doing the right things, you know, Kind of just worry, and then you worry kind of spirals, and you have more worry. Does that sound kind of accurate? Yeah, that's close, but I'm not. I don't close. really have any worries. What kind of negative you know, thinking and, and things that that monopolize your your time, right? So the first thing that I would always recommend, do you have a regular healthcare provider that you see for just kind of routine healthcare, making sure heart, lungs, brain, kidneys, all that kind of stuff are, are functioning well? Yes. Good. Good. That's always a place to start uh, because we always want to make sure that there's not any other cause of, you know, any of the symptoms going on that we need to rule out there. If that has all been, you know, everything's fine from that perspective and we're talking about you know, how we deal with whether it be stress or kind of anxiety-type symptoms like you talked about, um, then there are two options, right? There are medications that can help with that, and there are um, kind of cognitive behavioral therapy that helps with that. And sometimes it's the combination of the two or one or the other, depending on how significant and severe the symptoms are, okay? Um, so the, the best course of action is to actually dis what is going on with your healthcare provider so that they can determine kind of how significant or how severe the symptoms are as to best, you know, best ways to treat that. Um, then, you know, if it's determined that, you know, we don't need medicine or we do and we also need counseling or therapy, then that is the piece kind of that um, really helps change the way we think about things and kind of shut down the, the, the thoughts that we have. Um, and so there are lots of folks that do that in person. There are lots of apps that do that as well. Um, Breathe app, Calm app, Heads, uh, Headspace, and then there's actually Talkspace as well that has um, licensed counselors that will do um, kind of talk therapy and, and counseling through telehealth uh, from those varieties. So those are lots of different ways um, to, to help with that. But, you know, if, if it's continuing to persist, which it sounds like it is, um, it warrants kind of further evaluation to, to get you on the right combination of things. Okay. I appreciate it. Um, I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and we've been answering your questions and comments today and going through our mail bag. We are in the last segment of the show, and I have a couple more questions that I've gotten to. Anybody waiting for us, Kevin? Yes, we have got Alan, who's called in from Raymond. All right. Good morning, Alan. How can we help you? Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I get a basic question about vitamins, minerals. Okay. Okay. I mean, my mom, growing up, she was always worrying about me eating right. And used to have, like, a multi. But I think maybe I went crazy. I'm, I'm taking a multi, a vitamin C. I'm taking a backseat oil. Mm-hmm. I'm even taking a black elderberry because of the, um, the COVID-19 stuff. I don't know. Um, right. they and maybe it's, it's a, I heard you say something. Calcium might be into. It's depending with a medicine because I'm taking, I had a tribulation and uh, I'm taking a Eliquis. I was wondering, uh, mm-hmm. and I also had a little but high blood pressure, a metoprolol, right. and unfortunately I have a thyroid, thyroid. Just wondering if any of these things I should be aware of because pharmacies will tell you if one medicine interferes with another one, but they don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really think of other stuff like taking a D3 and... Right, right. uh, I have a whole bunch of them. You do sound like you have a bunch. And so, you know, kind of like what we talked about a minute ago is is kind of going through all of those with your healthcare provider to make sure that we think they're needed, right? Um, In particular, most of your kind of water-soluble vitamins, that's like your B vitamins, your C, those kinds of things, you're not going to store those in your body really for a long period of time. So it's hard to get too much of of those. Um, You kind of pee them out. Um, But they can cause some GI upset and those kinds of things if we're taking too high doses of them. The ones that we worry a little bit more about are your fat-soluble vitamins like the vitamin D and those kinds of things because you can get too much of that. Um, we want to kind of have vitamin D levels checked, see where we where we are, um, to see if we need those types of things. In terms of calcium, um, it usually interferes more with things like um, iron-containing medications. So if someone's anemic and we're putting them on iron, uh, the calcium will kind of kind of block that um, and keep the the iron from being absorbed as well as we would like for it to be. Um, but you can get your, your regular doc if you give them a full list to enter them in and make sure nothing is interacting with, with everything there. Um, but the, the question still remains, do we, do we need all these things, right? Um, I think a lot of times as moms, and I'm a mom, we worry about you know, the quality of what our kids are eating and if they're getting enough vitamins and minerals because they largely come from fruits and vegetables. Um, and those are oftentimes not kids' most favorite things to eat and munch on. Uh, And so kind of adding that multivitamin in there gives you just a little layer of of added security that we're getting the the vitamins and minerals that we need there. By and large, as uh, as anybody, I would prefer people to get their vitamins and minerals from a diverse diet, right? So um, adding ground flax seeds 
to uh, to your oatmeal or adding berries and lots of other brightly colored fruits and vegetables to your, your daily eating pattern. But if we have a limited uh, diet or are not able to get those things in, then it may be appropriate to supplement those particular vitamins in there. Um, but anytime I have folks who are on lots of different supplements, I think it's time for a real good conversation with our healthcare provider about do we actually need these things? Because they're often very expensive. And so could we, you know, do we need to be spending our money on those things or could we shift them, you know, shift them to a different uh, different thing that you could purchase? All right. Thank you for giving us a call there. We are almost out of time. I will very, very briefly answer this question that says, um, can I use medicated chest rub on my baby? And that really uh, depends where you're putting it and what kind it is. If it is like a Vicks that has camphor oil in it, those are, are not recommended for use on kids under the age of two. Camphor can, uh, you can get uh, some toxicity from that, and kids like to put everything in their mouth. So if you put it on their chest, they could rub, rub it with their hands, put their hands in their mouth. You see lots of people put it on kids' feet and then put socks on. I don't know about you, but my babies never kept their socks on. They pulled them off all the time. And so if they can pull that sock off and get that toe in their mouth, we would not want to have that, uh, that type of medicated product um, on, on their feet either. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast.